Welcome. This is the weekly Sunday sermon from Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. You can find us at ranchobaptistchurch.org. This week's message by Pastor Jason Swanson, the Gospel of John that you may believe all you need. The original date of this message was the 5th of February, 2023. Where do you go when you really need something? When one of those moments of life hits you, that things don't go the way that you were anticipating, the way that you were expecting. Where do you go for help? This week I ran into a problem with a used car that we purchased, taking it to AAA, thinking that this was going to be easy to transfer the title because I thought that the smog check had already been done. And when I got there, I found out that the smog had not been done. So then I quickly knew where to go to get a smog check, got the smog check done, and lo and behold, it didn't pass. And then I, I spent 10 minutes in my, in my car praying, bowing before the Lord, asking him where to go next. No, that, that didn't come for a long time. To be completely honest, I... I blame the person who we got the car from and and thought seriously about calling them and saying, hey, can you take this? Can you handle this for me? Then I thought, okay, maybe I just take it to this mechanic or do I take it to this mechanic? But there wasn't any prayer involved. There wasn't any seeking the Lord. Why? Because I thought, I know how to handle this. So then I take it to the mechanic and and he tells me that he's going to need the car all day. Which just adds a whole nother layer on top of this miserable morning that I was having. On top of all that, I wasn't feeling well. I I don't do this. You guys will give me like the little, the smallest man playing the violin for me. I I say all this to to my own shame because as I sat on the the corner waiting for Shannon to come and pick me up. I had one of those aha moments where the Lord just said, (laughs) and he gripped my heart. And he said, do you know what you're preaching on on Sunday? All you need is me. And yet, why am I the last one you're coming to? Why didn't you seek me in this? Why didn't you ask for my help? So this is more my sermon than it is yours. I need this. We're going to see this morning that Jesus is all you need. He's all I need. Every day, every moment, every second of our lives. We're going to see that the disciples needed to be reminded of this. And you need to be reminded of this. We're, We're going to see that the crowd needed to be reminded of this. And you need to be reminded of this. Turn with me to John chapter 6. 
And again, as we come to these passages, there's, there's this side of me that it just says, oh, everybody's heard this, Lord. This is kind of like communion. You, you, you do this once a month. And it's so easy to just get into a routine, a rut, and before you know it, you're at work, but you haven't even thought about what the ride was like as you were driving, right? That how many stop signs did I stop at? How many lights did I actually go through? I don't want us to come to God's word this morning. Oh, I got this one. I know what this is. I want us to come to God's word with open hearts for the Lord to truly meet us this morning and let us know why this was so important to Jesus that he would do this. He didn't have to do this. this. This goes beyond the norm in so many different ways. And yet he reveals to us the reason, in particular for the disciples, why he did this. Not to give them a free meal. Not to give them that woo factor that they could go and share with somebody. Oh, you know what Jesus did before? No, he did it for the intended purpose of testing their faith. Allowing them to ask the question, are you all that I really need? After these things, after what things? After Jesus was in Judea, in Jerusalem, after Jesus healed this man that for so many, so many years wasn't able to move well enough to get into the pool. And he did this on the Sabbath. After he declared to everyone, first through the miracle, then through his own words, that he is the son of God. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Just in case you would think for a minute that Jesus was not sovereign and in control of all things he was. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. I wonder how much of a pause there was after that. Really? Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves and having given thanks. He distributed to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself to pray. 
Let's follow Jesus' example and, and pray. Heavenly Father, we need you. We, we confess that so many times we, we think we can get along without you just fine. That is not the case. I, I pray this morning that you would use your word to drill down deep into our hearts and, and, and grab, grab a hold of us, Lord. That we would truly see, Lord Jesus, that you are all we need that you are all this world needs. That you are our everything. So bless our time in your word. Allow your Holy Spirit to be our teacher this morning, to be our guide, to be the one who illuminates your word and makes it clear and that takes your word and applies it to us for our very lives so that we might leave here different than how we came in. More committed to following you in obedience, to looking to you in those situations that come. So go before us now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In this, we see oh so clearly the reason why Jesus was doing this. No doubt he, and and if we went to to Mark chapter 6, we'd see he had compassion on this entire group. They follow him. They follow him by foot. He goes on a boat. They follow him. Anywhere from four to eight miles is how far they could have walked. All to find Jesus. All to see Jesus. But I wonder as everything presents itself to them if, if they think back and they remember another story, another man, another worker of God. Turn with me to, to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 4. There, there's a depiction here that we see in 2 Kings of, of Elisha. And the only reason why I go here is because what Jesus does is so much greater, even though what Elisha does is amazing or what the Lord does through Elisha. Because my desire this morning is to exalt and lift up Christ higher than any. And as great as this miracle is, it doesn't hold a candle to the miracle of Jesus. And even more so what Jesus, who he is, and the work that he does through redeeming us and our sinfulness. But look at this. this there's, there's so many similarities to, to what Jesus does. Now a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditors, creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? And immediately says this, tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. 
and you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour into all these vessels and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They were bringing the vessels to her and she poured. I wonder what was going through her mind. I'm sure she didn't think that it would end up the way that it ends up just as those gathered before Jesus, his disciples, Philip, Andrew in particular, they had no idea it was going to end up like this. We limit God so much and we think our God is so much smaller than he really is. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one vessel more. And the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons can live on the rest. It is another manifestation of God's wonderful grace. Coming through his servant, not the servant, not the shepherd, not the lamb of God, but one of his servants, just to show us how great our God is. And how wonderful he is. And we see the similarities first in the fact that that God takes a small amount of something and multiplies it beyond what any of us would say could be considered normal. This is miraculous. No doubt this too is something that was happening. They they couldn't believe it. And And they take that which is so small and the Lord uses it and makes it out to be beyond what you and I would think of being possible. All of these jars that were full after that that she was able to then use to pay off her debt. But notice too, when all is said and done, there's even more oil left after that. And that's enough to allow her and her sons to live on. That's how good our God is. But the Lord Jesus Christ, and turn there with me again to John chapter six, is even greater. Make no mistake, this is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is front and center in everything that is happening in these 15 verses. That we are supposed to recognize that he is in control, nobody else is. And so what we will see this morning in this account of this miraculous meal that Jesus provides we see that Jesus is one, all the crowd needed. Two, he's all the disciples needed. And three, he's all you need. He's all you need. Now that doesn't mean that what the crowd thought they needed is who Jesus was. You see, we can think that we need lots of things and be totally off in what we actually need. Because we're going to see these guys are fervent. These guys are excitable. These guys are ready to do whatever it takes to make Jesus king. They follow him all this way. This was no little feat. They, They didn't jump on a boat. They didn't jump on a bus. They walked all this way to seek out Jesus. But they're seeking him out for all the wrong reasons. Even though he is all that they needed. Notice a large crowd followed him, verse 2, because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. 
again, we see this theme represented again and again and again throughout the gospel of John, that there are many, many followers of Jesus who follow Jesus for all the wrong reasons. They want to see the next sign. They want to be wowed. They want to be wooed. They want to be emotionally driven, right? For all the excitement. And they come, no doubt, anticipating that Jesus Christ will indeed do another miracle. And what is so amazing is that Jesus does do another miracle. Right? in front of them, a miracle that they don't ask for, a miracle that is totally unexpected, a miracle that validates who he is and verifies what he has been saying about himself and yet they miss him. You see, what they think they need is they need this prophet, they need this king for their own physical well-being and then also their own political success. That's what they think. That's what they think is all that they need, but what they are missing out on is who they need is a savior. Someone who will save them from their sins. And yet they don't seem to be too interested in that. Notice what Jesus says. There's much given to us that this crowd doesn't know about. You don't know about the interaction that he has with, with Philip or Andrew. They get it like this. Have the people sit down. They know that they're told to sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. That's the men. You add women and children to this number and it could be upwards of 20,000, if not twenty-five or 30,000. This is a huge group. And why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they moving? Why is there such a great big group moving? Again, back to verse four. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. God has precipitated and and, and made this whole arrangement that this great big group of, of Jews would be moving from wherever they're from, no doubt close to where Jesus is from in Galilee, to Jerusalem for the Passover. It's the perfect opportunity to get a great big group of people together. And so what does this group do? They follow Jesus. And they follow him right at the time when they are getting ready to go to Jerusalem and celebrate this Passover feast and remember the deliverance from Egypt. But remember who delivered them from Egypt. I mean, our Christian answer is God, but I would say most of their answer would be Moses. And we've seen Moses highlighted already. We, we know the hero that they thought Moses was, right? We, we saw it again last week. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? You know what I believe? I believe they wanted somebody like Moses. What did Moses do? Moses released the entire nation of Israel from captivity, from bondage in Egypt. And kind of single-handedly led them out. That's what they're expecting Jesus to do. That's what they want Jesus to do. This is what they feel Jesus will do. 
But that's only after they see what Jesus does for them. As he graciously does what? Tells them all to sit. And then Jesus took the loaves. And having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise also of the fish as much as they wanted. I know I'm picking it up mid-sentence here. We, we know that what happens is there's a little boy. And, and, and what happens with this little boy? Andrew finds him. And this little boy has his, I won't call it a lunch, it's more of a snack with him. And it's these five loaves and two fish. And when you hear that and you look at the translation, you get in your mind, oh, five little mini loaves and two quite large fish. Yeah, that's quite a bit. But, but that's not what the Greek entails. The Greek is, is a different word for fish than what you would expect for somebody like Peter and, and Andrew that are fishermen. It's not a great big monster fish. It's not like something that is even considered a living fish. It's a pickled fish. It's something that can be kept over time. It's something that they would, they would ground up and then they'd, they'd make it into a paste. So then it, I don't know, it became instead of strawberry jam, it was a, this pickled jam stuff or fish jam. It doesn't, doesn't sound good to me in the slightest, but this is what they ate. And then, then when it says loaves, you're thinking this little mini loaf that, that you could go purchase someplace, perhaps your favorite bread place. And oh, it would be so good. No, it's, it's not a little mini loaf. You need to think of a, of a Ritz cracker or, or possibly an English muffin, but a wafer. We're, we're talking small. We're talking incredibly small. And yet Jesus Christ uses that to feed these somewhat 20 plus thousand people. Extends grace to them. And what I want to know is, what did this look like? How did this actually play out? We, we know from the account in Mark that, that he actually has everybody get into these little pockets of people. 50 or 100 groups all over the place. So this grass area must have been huge. And there's group after group after group after group. But how did it go? It says that Jesus is the one handing it out. Is this little boy with him? Does this little boy have this little basket with the wannabe fish pasty stuff over here and then the little tiny cracker things over here? And is, it, and is, and is the little boy holding it? And Jesus is just like, shh, shh. Little boy, after like four times in, he's like, wait, that's not my basket. Man, Cool. And then he goes from that first group. And how long would it take them to, to feed these 20,000 people? A very long time. Remember, there's, there's no food trucks. This isn't In-N-Out coming or, or Chick-fil-A or whatever you love. No, none of that. This is totally unexpected. This is out of the blue. This is God in action meeting the needs of people who didn't ask him to meet their needs just to show us that he can because he's God. This no doubt would have been such a challenge for all there as they're trying to figure out what does this mean? And do you know where their mind goes? Some believe that that 5,000, when it says 5,000 men, lots of commentators go here. They, they believe that that's like army talk. 
that there were 5,000 ready, abled men that were at a moment's notice ready to, to join allegiance with Jesus Christ as their king and take over Rome. And right there to free the people, to free the Jewish nation. We, we don't know except for they, they get it, right? As much as what's happening is, is I'm trying to think it in my own mind and, and I'll ask the Lord when we get to, to glory, how this all played out. But notice what they, what they do in verse 14. Therefore, when the people saw the sign, which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. They understood who Jesus was in part. And that is a huge added phrase, in part. They didn't understand the full complexity of who Jesus was. They didn't understand truly his mission, but what they did grab is, man, this man's a prophet. This man's the prophet, actually. That goes back to Deuteronomy 18 and what Moses said about someone who would follow him. That there would be a prophet. He says, there's a prophet like me. And the Lord says that that he's going to speak God's words. And depending on how you receive those words depends on how it will go for you. No doubt speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus is much more than just the prophet. He is the Savior. He is the God-man. And they didn't understand any of that. They didn't want any of that. Why? Because they're just all caught in the here and now of right now. They're not thinking about their spiritual souls. They're they're not even considering that they need a savior. And so for all reality, they miss him. What are they ready to do? They're ready to take him as king. They don't say this. They're just thinking it. But Jesus being God can read every one of their thoughts and he knows what they're thinking and what they're considering to do. So Jesus, isn't this amazing? Perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. He actually tells his disciples to leave first, stays a little bit longer and then retreats. Why? Because he's God. Because he knows all things. And they had missed him. And the main reason why they missed him is because of their own pride and because of their own thinking on what they needed. Let's turn that to us. What do you think you need? Most of all, that that is the most important thing for you. A new house? A better job? Peace in the home? Health. Better health. No, what, what you need most of all is clear from this is Jesus Christ. That's what they missed. That's what they didn't understand. Don't miss the significance of Jesus' miracle here. There's so much more than a great amount of food being given that's on display in this story. He's pointing forward to what Jesus will do as he offers his body for sin. As his own flesh will be offered and given. Think about this. Not to satisfy the hunger of a huge crowd. But to satisfy the wrath of God poured out for sin. That's the picture. Do you know that from this point on, we're going to see in a couple weeks, Jesus gives this beautiful sermon that he is the bread of life. Uses What happens here is a a jump 
as a launch pad to teach. He doesn't ever just do miracles. He always teaches along with the miracle. And twofold. And so what we see oh so clearly is that Jesus was all that the crowd needed, but also he's all the disciples needed. But I fear they missed him too. They had the very son of God right before them asking him these questions. And yet instead of turning it back on Jesus, I don't know, what would you do? Both of their answers as far as Philip and Andrew go, and, and I have to raise my hand and say, well, that, that's probably what I would have said. But they miss Jesus. Therefore, look at verse 5. Jesus, lifting up his eyes, seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip. So Jesus is the initiator here. Jesus has placed his center stage. This doesn't mean that by somehow Jesus is putting Philip on a, on a higher plateau than, than some of the other disciples. Do you know where Philip is from? He's from Bethsaida. We're told that earlier in John. Do you know where they're at, where this whole thing takes place? Close to Bethsaida. So Philip's a hometown boy. When you ask Philip, where do you go to buy some, some bread? Philip knows all the town, all the particular stores in town. So this makes sense that Jesus would ask him, where do we to buy bread so that these may eat? But then we're told why Jesus is asking him this. Not because he doesn't know. He knows exactly what he's going to do. He's doing it in order to test Philip, to test his faith, to see where his faith is. Sometimes this, this word test can be used in a bad sense. Here it's a good sense. It, it's got the idea of strengthening his faith. What a good God. What a wonderful Savior. Because Jesus knew what he was intending to do. And Philip answered him most likely the same way most of us would. 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. Hey, look, Jesus, you know. You know how much money we have. And even if we had enough, 200 denarii, which, which is basically eight months of, of wages for a normal worker. So if, if we figured $70,000 for a... for a person's wages for a year. This would be a, the equivalent of about $50,000. $50, and Philip is saying, hey, Jesus, even if we had 50 grand right now, that'd only be enough to give everybody a small little morsel to eat that wouldn't do anything. He's testing Philip's faith. What about me, Philip? Do you think I can do something? Then look at Andrew. Andrew and Peter are also from the same place, Bethsaida. Maybe Andrew knows this young man. We don't know, this young boy. But look at what he says. There's a lad here who has five barley, barley loaves and two fish. If he just would have stopped there, it would, it would have been good. But what are these for so many people? He's a realist, right? They're both logical in the way that they think. They're, they're much like us. They're not going to think abstractly. They're not going to think outside of their normal box. They're not even considering the fact that Jesus might be able to do something miraculous. And so then Andrew says, hey, 
we, we got this, this young boy's food, but that, that really can't do anything. And then Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith, get behind me, Satan. No, not here. Here it's grace upon grace. Why? Because this is a teaching opportunity. Jesus is in the driver's seat and he wants to let all of his disciples know that he should be preeminent in their lives, that he is all they each need. Think about what these men are gonna do. These men are gonna turn the world upside down, but do you know who they're gonna have to walk in complete dependence upon? The Lord Jesus Christ and the mission that he gives them. This is all building this faith in them that they might be sent out through the power of the Holy Spirit to change the entire world and to recognize that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God, the Messiah. So look at what Jesus says so quickly and simply. Have the people sit down. That's all he says in their response. He doesn't get into the money. He doesn't even really get into the boy and, and, and all that he has. Hey, just, just have the people sit down. And then he took, takes the loaves and having given thanks. I didn't mention this in the first service, but, but let me just say, we don't bless food. I know that's what we say. Oh, bless food, bless as if, if we didn't bless it, we might choke on a, on a chicken bone. Do, do you understand what Jesus is doing here? It's what we do when we come before the Lord before our meals. We thank the Lord for his provision. Jesus is thanking the Lord before his miraculous provision. How cool is that? Because he knows exactly what's gonna happen. The disciples are still kind of most likely on the fence. What is going on? What, why, is he, why is he having everybody's, how come he hasn't sent them away? That's where I would be, right? Wouldn't you be there? Are you kidding? Jesus comes up to me and he says, hey, how are we gonna feed all these people? My response would be, uh, that's, that's not my job. Hey, that isn't what I signed up for. I'm following you. We're to be fishers of men. That doesn't mean we give them fish, right? We're supposed to tell them about you. I'm pointing them to you. What do you mean? This sounds too hard. And I wonder if even in the way that they respond, that what they were anticipating Jesus to say in response was, yeah, you guys are right. Let me send all these guys away. But he doesn't do that at all. What a challenge for us. Do you go to Jesus first? He's right before them, but they don't even go to Jesus. He's not even part of their thinking. He, they're, they're like me on, on that day with the smog check. I forgot to mention this in first service and praise the Lord, he just brought me back to it now. I, I, the, the smog did pass, okay? The, the car's good. Didn't cost 400, 500, $600. Fuel injector, had to be cleaned out and everything was good. Except for Jason and, and the testing of his faith, much like Philip, much like Andrew. Oh, you, you can't help me here. This is something outside of, of what you do, Jesus. No, he wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives. And so what, what do we see? Jesus just tells everybody to sit down and then he does the amazing. He hands out this fish and this bread. And there's enough for everyone and then some. And everyone is filled. But then look at the following verses. And remember, this isn't the whole crowd that's, that's knowing what is going on here. 
It's the disciples that were involved in this first conversation. When they were filled, verse 12, Jesus, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. Our God is a faithful God. He's a wise steward and he desires that we would be wise in our stewardship too. So he's not gonna let any of this food go wasted. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Isn't that an odd number? 12. Most commentators go one of two directions. There's not many that go the second, which is actually where I think this goes. Many go to the, to the Old Testament. They go to the nation of Israel and the 12 tribes. And that makes perfect sense because there would have been so many Jews here listening that God provided over and over and over again for the Jewish people. He's still providing for you. In fact, right now he's providing for you the son of God, the redeemer, the Messiah, the Christ. He's here. And that, that could be. But I wonder if it's more personal. Remember, he said this is in order to test Philip's faith, but, but I would include all the disciples. Could it be that when everything is done, do you know who's holding these 12 baskets full of all these leftovers? And don't we love leftovers? Pizza? There's nothing sweeter than leftover pizza. Okay, turkey from Thanksgiving for making sandwiches, that's probably better. But do you know who's holding these? At least who I, I'm going to present to us as just a thought. Not basing my salvation on this, but think about it. What if it's the 12 disciples of Jesus? What if it's Philip having to carry this, looking at it? Oh, man, my faith is so small. Thank you, Jesus. What if it's Andrew? Forgive me for coming up with my own plan. What if it's Peter? What if it's all 12? This is how great our, our, our God is. How Jesus invests into his disciples, pours himself out to them. And so we see clearly that Jesus is all the disciples needed, but he's also all that you need. I kind of skipped over the little boy. I want to end our time with him this morning. Look at verse 9. There's a lad here. It means a young boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? We know the answer. They're enough. But think about this boy. How much did his life change from this point on? Do you think that when he gave that up that he actually thought he wouldn't get any? that he was giving it to, say, the adults, that it wasn't going to come back to him. Instead, what does he see firsthand? He sees God provide through Jesus Christ. He's given an opportunity to trust in Jesus Christ as a Savior for the first time. And I wonder just how much his life changed. Why? Because he was willing to give that up. There's a lesson in here somewhere for all of us on on giving. And I'm not going to turn this into a sermon on tithing because that's not what this is about. This is about Jesus. But there's also a side that, that we can see that, my, this is so amazing. And do we think about this? 
It's not how much you give that necessitates, well, then God, oh, I know that that's what they'll tell you on television. You give more and then God will reward more. No. It's your heart behind it. You give out of what you have. And then God blesses that. We, we see this, and, and you can write this down, Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. There Jesus is, is watching people give. They're giving to the treasury. They're, they're giving to the Lord, to Yahweh, and he's watching them all. And there's all these rich people that are giving this mass amount of money. And then, then there's this other poor woman. And what she gives is the equivalent of one cent. And then yet Jesus turns to his disciples later and he says, hey, do you know who gave the most out of all these here? He says, that woman, that widow. Why? Because everybody else gave out of their plenty. But she gave all that she had. She gave out of really her nothingness. Man, this has been a challenge to me this week. Am I willing to give? Am I willing to give sacrificially? Am I willing to give no matter what, just saying, Lord, I'll trust you for the future. Knowing that you will provide. Let me go over the the points to ponder, something for you guys to consider this week. Consider how overwhelmed the thought of feeding thousands of people must have been to the disciples. Where do you go when you're overwhelmed? Do you run to Jesus first? Even when he's right there in front of you, or do you miss him? Do you believe that Jesus will indeed provide for you? I'm not saying that every time he's gonna provide for you like he did the, the, the widow with Elisha over and above what is needed or here over and above what was needed for these some 20,000 plus people, but he will provide for you. He will look after you. Why? Because you're more important than even the sparrows and he looks after them. Do you believe that Jesus is all you need? Or do you actually believe that there's something else that is what you need, who you need? And so that's who you run to when you're faced with a difficult situation. Let me pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and how good it is. We, by faith, take everything that we see in your word this morning and all of your word is true. To think of how all of these people must have changed and yet some still didn't get it. Some still didn't see you as the Savior. Lord, I pray that that is not the case this morning. I pray that all that are here this morning have come to the understanding that you are God, Lord Jesus. That you are the Savior. And that you are the only way. For them to have their sins forgiven that you are the bread of life, Lord, and that by believing in you and you alone, we can have our sins forgiven. We can be welcomed into your family. We can enjoy all of eternity together with you, all because of what you did, Lord Jesus. As amazing as it is to see you feeding these 
20,000 people what you have provided for us on your death in the cross is, is much more. For we know that affects all of eternity. So I pray that all here this morning, if they would first, they would come to understand that they are a sinner, that that sin separates them from you and that you require death for their sin. But you have the answer to our sin problem and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Jesus, for dying upon the cross. Now we celebrate you this morning for that. And I pray that any here who do not know you as their Savior, that they would trust in you and you alone to gain eternal life and to be welcomed into the family, to join us for all of eternity with you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.